Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. This morning we are looking at Psalm 96. Um, Now some of you might be aware that Psalms is a collection of poems, it's a collection of songs and prayers. And there's a big variety of topics covered, written by different authors at different points in Israel's history. And some people look at this book as kind of a guide to worship. But today, the psalm we're looking at in particular is all about worship. And it's a very joyful psalm. It's about God's mission, about what God is doing. um, And it kind of invites us to join in worshipping. Um, I'm just going to read it, and then we'll sort of start talking about it. So, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord, and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord, he made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea be resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. So we can see it's full of joy, this psalm. It's full of commands. In the first um, verse, it starts telling us to sing. We are told to sing three times within the first two sentences. It says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, proclaim his name. And then we get this command to tell. So we get told to declare, to proclaim his name. And this is a clear call to worship. The psalm is obviously commanding us to rejoice in the Lord. And we've spent some time in sung worship this morning already. Um, And again soon we will sing uh, sing some more songs. Um, But the question is, why do we do this? Why is singing valuable? Um, And I would say that we sing to remind ourselves of truths. Um, Andy made the point about old hymns having lots of truth in them. And I think uh, when we sing them, we can recognize that. So we sing to remind ourselves of truth. We also sing to feel unity with those around us. Um, And we sing to lift our spirits. And this psalmist, he commands us to sing a new song. He says, sing to the Lord a new song. And why? Well, I don't think it's saying that we need to write new songs, but I think he's saying 
that God's mercies are new every day. So every morning we have new things to sing about, new things to thank God for, new songs to sing. But as we sing, we are joining in with creation. The psalm says, sing to the Lord all of the earth. So we worship the Lord because he is worthy of our praise. Um, and nature knows this too. Um, psalm 19, it says, all heaven declares the glory of God. It's a bit of a rainy day today in Manchester, but I'm sure all of us have um, been outside when the sun is shining, perhaps on a spring day, and we've seen uh, the flowers dance, we've heard the birds singing, maybe we've seen insects going about their business, maybe we've felt the sunshine, and we can feel that there's something beautiful, there's something glorious about nature, perhaps more than we can really express. Nature puts on a display for God and is somehow able to worship God in ways that um, we just cannot. So I have a pet cockatiel, <laughs> which is like a small parrot. It's about this big, and he is bright yellow. He's very cute, um, but he's a bird. So he spends his days flying. He spends his days eating food. He does not talk to me. I've tried. Um, I've been told he will learn to talk. He has yet to prove this. Um, but he doesn't understand things because he is a bird. But in his birdness, he is being everything that God has created him to be. Um, he isn't trying to be more than a bird. He isn't trying to do things that he can't. He is just satisfied in who he is. And in his own way, maybe he's not conscious of it, but he worships God more than we do because he is being everything that God has created him to be. And nature and the animal kingdom and creation, they just have this ability to reflect God's wonder in ways that I think we struggle to do. So we all know that life is difficult, we get off track, things distract us, maybe we don't feel like worshipping God. I got to church today, I heard there was no worship band, and I was like, what? <laughs> um, how, how can we worship God without a band? How, how can we do these things? And then we just pick these barriers in front of us. Um, or sometimes I, I feel very busy, I feel like I don't have time to sit down at home, worship God. Or if I'm down, feeling down, maybe I just don't feel like I'm in the mood. But this psalmist, he understands that to worship God is central to our purpose. To worship God puts him back at the centre and it allows us to join our place in nature, our place in creation, um, and to sing. Okay, so this psalm, it does not just tell us to sing. It tells us that we are to tell of his salvation from day to day, to declare his marvellous works. And later on, it talks about ascribing. Ascribing, um, it kind of means saying that something belongs to someone, declaring. Um, so what, what should we ascribe to the Lord? The glory that is due his name. We should declare, give to him the glory that is due his name. So the psalmist is telling us to worship both with our song, but also with our words. So worship is our singing to God, but when something from within us gets exciting, something flows from inside to out, and when we become passionate about something, we want to share about it. 
Um, I work with lots of people from all around the world, um, mostly asylum seekers. And I have a particular client who um, is over here claiming asylum due to his um, membership of a political party. And he talks about this political party all the time. Um, every appointment, he talks about it. His social media, he's covered with um, talking about why this party's great, why people should join them. Um, he did an interview with the Home Office, and whilst the Home Office were trying to find out details about his background, so for example, what town did you grow up in, he would be like, listen about this party. He just would not stop talking about the party because he believes in it. He believes that that party um, is the way to bring about change in his country. And I think we probably all have been hanging out with people who talk about something um, all the time. At the moment, uh, whenever I ring my father, he tells me about the cricket. <laughs> I, I, I don't know cricket. I just know that it's, it's going on, it's happening. Um, but he will talk about it. And I now know that apparently it's very close. Um, I think we're playing Australia. I don't really know. Um, uh, but I know these things not because I've paid attention to them, but because I have paid attention to what my father has said to me. And he happens to care about cricket. So if, we, um, if someone loves something, they will talk about it. We know this. And so if we are consumed by God, if we understand and worship him and understand and give him the glory due his name, we shouldn't have to sit and have conversations about how we're going to evangelize. We shouldn't have to have meetings and planning sessions or talk about ways to do it. We should just talk about him from day to day. We should just be able to share what it is that we love about him with others. Okay. So the psalmist, he goes on to tell us why we should sing and we should tell God. He says, for great is the Lord and great is he to be praised. For all of the gods of the nations are idols, but God, he made the heavens. And so we worship God because he is the greatest being in the universe. Nothing and no one else compares. The psalmist says that glory is in his sanctuary. And glory is quite a strange word. We don't really use it very often. Um, but in Hebrew, it's the word kavod, which means that something kind of heavy or something impressive, something that has weight. And this is directly um, contrasted to the mention of the gods of the nations that are idols. So the word for, um, used for the word idols can translate as nothing. Um, I think the ESV translation has worthless idols. So the psalmist is saying that the gods of the nations are nothing, but God, our God, he is glorious, he has weight, he made the heavens. Um, and we can brush over verses like this and assume that um, he's talking about um, ancient gods from the past like Baal or Zeus or things from ancient history. But I think we all know that anything that we put our time in, our energy, um, our money, has the potential to become an idol. So your family, your health, your appearance, your jobs, all of these are fantastic things. Um, and they bring joy, hopefully. Um, but if you rely on them for hope, for glory, they will not hold, because nothing other than God can hold the weight or importance that we give it. Because everything compared to God is weightless. If you make anything more important than God, 
You're investing in things that are not glorious. You're giving yourself to things that will pass away. Um, you're giving too much emphasis to things that cannot hold the attention you're giving it. So if anything is more important than the love of God, um, if there's something else you're getting up for in the morning, something else you're thinking of last thing at night, you will probably have a problem. We need to make him matter most because he does matter most. And so I think the question is, how do we do that? How can we just say, all right, I'm going to make God matter most? Um, That's quite hard to do if that's not where your mind is. But I think the psalmist says this as well. He says that we should remind ourselves of God's deeds. He said we should talk about the marvellous things God has done. And for people um, the psalmist was writing to, that would likely have been um, the Exodus. If any of you have spent any time in the Old Testament, you'll see that the story of Exodus is repeated to it again and again, is referred to in numerous psalms throughout the history. They just remind themselves This is what God did. He brought us out of slavery. Um, And it's repeated again and again to remind themselves about God's work. And for us, we have um, Jesus. He is uh, what God has done in our lives. He is our salvation. Um, He is the salvation that we should proclaim day after day. Um, And so I think if you just remind yourself of what God has done, that is some step towards being able to get yourself into a mindset where perhaps you can sing to the Lord with creation. The psalmist, he then goes on to declare, to tell us that we should take this news, our glory of God, our wonder of him, to the nations. And he says that this is so that they can know of God's marvellous deeds. Because if we don't tell them, how will they know? And throughout the Old Testament, um, there's a bit of a tension you might be familiar with. Because God is a God who makes a commitment to Israel. He says to Israel, you will be my people. I will be your God. He's chosen them particularly. Um, and, and it's really clear throughout the Bible. But there are also these passages that kind of contradict or perhaps complicate that idea. So Psalm 87 talks about how in Egypt and Babylon are amongst God's people. But in the Old Testament, Egypt and Babylon are the bad guys. They are Thanos or other supervillains. They are the enemies of Israel. But here it says they are going to be part of God's God's people. So there's this tension. How can God be so committed to Israel and let Israel prosper, but also have a plan for all of the nations? And it's clear that the mission of God is not just to serve a small number of people. That's not the, it's not that church is an end goal in itself. Instead, church is entrusted with the mission to tell people about the glory of God. The people hearing Psalm 87 might have wondered how the enemies of these nations are going to be brought into God's kingdom. But the answer is simple. Them. You are going to tell them. You are going to tell these people about the salvation of God. And we see this throughout the psalm. In verse 3 and in verse 7, it talks about families of nations. So every people group on earth are supposed to subscribe, so give God glory and strength and bring an offering and come into his courts. And this is a vision of an ever-expanding people of God, a people of God that is growing and growing across every tribe, across every tongue and nation. And the mission of God is for all nations to come 
and live under his kingdom, under his rule. And for us as Christians, God's message for the church is clear. Jesus in Matthew 28 says that we should go and make disciples of all nations. That's exactly what this psalmist is saying. We should go and declare the glory of God. And so I think it's clear that we have a responsibility to tell the people we meet in our daily lives about God's wonders. When we hear terms like the nations, it can be really easy to think of foreigners, people living far away. Um, and it does mean that, but it also means people living here in our city. So we live in one of the most culturally diverse cities in Europe and one of the most linguistically diverse cities in the world. I don't know if you know, but in Manchester, we have up to 200 languages spoken here. Um, half of the adult population in our city is multilingual. Two-fifths of our, our school children can speak another language. And that's just here in our city. We have global reach right here in Manchester. And in our church, we have people attending from loads of places. We have connections with Nigeria, with Sudan, the Netherlands, Mali, Iran. Um, and we have so many more connections and ethnic groups than this. Um, and these are the people we see often. These are the people we can tell, declare, and subscribe to on a daily basis. These people are part of the nations. So, yeah, we have the people around us. But I do think there is something important about global outreach as well. Um, thinking about beyond our city. In the Bible, um, in Acts, after the disciples received the Holy Spirit, they went on long missionary trips to teach the good news of Jesus. And if you read the book of Acts, you'll see how Peter and Paul and Philip and a few others, they go to Africa, they go to the Middle East, they go to Europe, and they tell everyone who will listen. They're declaring God to the nations. But whilst Paul and the others go out on these missionary journeys, there are people who stay back in Jerusalem or in Corinth or Ephesus or wherever it is, and they pray for these people. They create a base for them to go out from. They support them in their work. These are the people who send them. So we have people who go, the disciples, and also people who send. Now I think that the Bible and this psalm makes clear that if you love God, if you love Jesus, we have almost a duty to declare or explain or tell of God's goodness to the nations. And some people will go. They will be goers, and that is fantastic. And that can mean going abroad. That can mean short-term mission groups. Uh, we have people in our church, like Annette and Graham and Marion, who in the, and others in the past who have gone for short missions. But I also think uh, we can partner in God's mission um, to talk to the nations from here, because there have to be senders. And I don't think this is a cop-out, um, or it shouldn't be a cop-out. Um, it shouldn't be an excuse to do nothing. Um, I think that as a church community, we can actively say we want to support God's mission to declare things to the nations. Um, and then we can actively support and we can pray for those people who we do have connections with. So CCM... Uh, we have links with churches around the world that are involved in different types of uh, projects, different types of mission, plant, church planting, things that are appropriate for their context. So we support things happening in Uganda, um, in Ukraine, I think Iraq, 
Um, and members of our church go out to these projects. Um, and you've probably heard about some of them mentioned during our prayer weeks about, or perhaps during our give week, give big weeks. But um, I want to say that maybe we shouldn't just wait for the, those weeks to start supporting these people. Perhaps we should take more of a stand and say, actually, we're going to support the work our church is doing. We're going to support our community um, and help them week in, week out. And I think there will probably be a bit of work in that, probably trying to find out what's going on, asking questions, committing to actually pray. Um, but this is part of sharing God's news among the nation. And I think this is something we can all do from here in the Oasis Centre in Gorton. Um, so we can do this and we can talk to our neighbours. Okay, so um, as we close, um, the psalm tells us that we should join in nature with worshipping because God is the one worthy of praise. And because of God's deeds, because he is the one worthy of praise, we should tell others about him. And then we get this joyful picture for the future at verses 11, 12, and 13. Um, we get this picture of the earth rejoicing. Um, and there's a connection between what God is doing on the earth and with the nations and creation. There's a connection between God's mission to redeem the nations um, and also how creation acts when the earth is renewed. Um, somehow, as more people are brought into God's plan, nature becomes better than it was. And we get this joyful response right up until the end of verse 13. It says, let creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. It talks about how God will come to judge the earth. And this is a good thing. Everyone is excited it says the fields are jubilant, the trees are singing. We get this picture of earth being excited for the judgment coming. And Jesus says in Matthew 25 that he will return to judge the world. But this is not always talked about in a positive way like it is here in this psalm. Uh, if you go to Market Street in Manchester, you will find someone standing there saying, God will judge you, this, this, this. And they'll paint a picture of kind of terror um, to make you afraid of Judgment Day. And that is valid. It's probably not the best way to explain that message. But um, it has truth in it because the Judgment Day is um, something to be afraid of. But it is also something that we can hope for. So why is judgment good for creation? Because God has promised to fix and deal with the mess that sin has made. The reason the earth is so broken is that we've turned from God. Because sin and wrongdoing and selfishness, everything like this, is right at the centre of where we are. And that's why we feel things are rubbish. Uh, Romans 8 says that the world is groaning because it's subject to decay. Nothing in this world is right. Even the most beautiful parts of the world, even my little cockatiel, he's not as good as he should be. <laughs> And I think we've all experienced this sense of um, injustice. We've all felt moments where things have felt unfair, where um, we've not felt this um, is right. Um, I work in the legal sector. I could tell you countless stories or give numerous examples of when fair conclusions are not reached, despite lots of effort to try and get a fair conclusion. 
and we've all been rejected. We all feel lonely or mistreated. We've all wanted to revenge people if they've not treated us right. Um, and we're probably all responsible for injustice. But when Jesus comes and returns, it will be with a perfect judgment. He will put things right. He will deal with sin once and for all. And it means the world will be renewed. He will bring justice for the poor and peace for the nations. And it says that he will judge people in a way that is fair and is righteous, that is without human error um, and is full of mercy. And the life that you and I long for, the one we yearn for of no suffering, will be given to us if we confess and follow Jesus. And on that day, we will be free from sin and there'll be no more tears or suffering. So we have a hope. And this hope is Jesus. And Jesus laid aside his glory. He laid aside all of these things that this psalm talks about um, to become humble, to become human like us, so that we can talk of his salvation day after day. Um, and this is a life that starts today, if you accept Jesus as a saviour, a life where you can live life to the full. But it's also a life that is coming uh, once this judgment day happens, once creation is re reborn and refilled. And because of Jesus, we can look forward to a day where that's made right, uh, where there's justice for us, where there's peace among the nations, where we can sing a new song and proclaim his salvation. And so why wouldn't we want to rejoice or sing about that? So this song... Uh, yeah, it tells us to join in nature. It tells us to celebrate and proclaim our God and the hope it brings. And it tells us to share God's good news from a place of wonder, a place of worship. And I would say if you do struggle with worship or you struggle to find a way to focus on God, focus on his deeds. Remind yourself of what he has done. And perhaps tell God that you are struggling to worship him because God doesn't want us to be auto machines just rinse and repeating doing what we think other people want to do god wants us to be honest he wants us to be open before him he wants us to put our life in his hands and us being honest and open with god will mean far more to him than just going through the motions